0: Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at viking.com.
1: I'm Barbara Taylor Bradford. I'm a novelist. I was a journalist. I'm still a journalist. I love writing, and that's why I've written 36 novels. One of the appeals that my books have for women, and they write and tell me Emma was my role model, my hero, my heroine. So I try to write about showing women. Take it, but it's a lot of hard work.
0: This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger.
2: Barbara Taylor Bradford is a best-selling author whose debut novel... A Woman of Substance ranks as one of the top 10 best-selling novels ever. She explains how her love of writing from an early age empowered her to forge ahead as a journalist and to eventually become one of the most successful novelists of all time. Barbara, you spent some of your childhood in an air raid shelter. How did you cope with that?
1: Well, I had no alternative. I was growing up in, in the North of England where I come from and of course I come from Leeds and Leeds is an industrial city and during the Second World War those cities were heavily bombed by the Germans and we had an air 8 shelter at the bottom of the garden and when the siren went off my mother and I and my father if he was there went into the air 8 shelter and it became something normal. Also, when you're a little girl, I was, what, five or six, something like that, you adapt. You, it becomes normal. When I started writing novels many years later, I realized that I worried as a child. And people don't think children worry, you know, but they do. Because I used to worry, where's daddy? Then I heard that slightly uneven step, and he was there. You said your parents
2: encouraged you to be a writer. What do you say to parents whose child wants to be a writer and they're worried at that it's too risky.
1: Well, it is risky in this if you want to be a novelist because you know, many are called but few are chosen. And I've been very lucky in many ways. I've had a lot of luck, which I think is does play a role. Um I say you can't stop somebody doing what they want to do. And if that is what they want to do, they at least have to try. I always wanted to write fiction, but I was smart enough, you know, as a teenager to know, yes, you want to write a novel, but can you and will it be published? So I set my my goal as being a journalist and I got a job on the Yorkshire Evening Post in the typist room and was six months later, I was a junior reporter. And that's called... Called drive ambition and determination
2: I heard you left school at 15 to work at the paper what was it like to be a girl in the newsroom then
1: I must say that they were very reluctant to have a 16 year old girl in a reporter's room they resented the fact that they couldn't swear <laughs> use four letter words and had to be careful what they said because down there there's a child. <laughs> So I I once said to, after a few weeks, why don't they like me, to one of the other reporters. And he said, it's not that they don't like you, it's because you're a girl they can't use four-letter words. He said, but keep your head down and do your work, and then they'll settle down. And they did, and they started to swear again because they noticed I paid no attention to what they were saying. I was too busy being a very dedicated reporter. And that is, I think, the secret to my success, is that I was, at 16, dedicated, focused, serious, and got on with my work. They got the message very quickly that I was not available, and nobody laid a hand on me. But I was told, don't you encourage anybody, and I didn't, and it worked for me. You suffered two miscarriages in your 20s.
2: What's your advice for other couples going through the same struggle?
1: I think once, it's it's awful, but you think, well, maybe next time <laughs> I get pregnant, I'll, I will be fine, and I wasn't. And I think the second time was very devastating for me because I was in my late 30s, and— there were two ways to go. Let it control me, the sadness and the worry of not having a child and wanting a child, because you do if you're in love with your husband and he wants a child. I chose not to worry about it, Veronica. I thought, I remember thinking along many years ago now, either it will control me, this sadness and this worry or I can get over it and hope I get pregnant again and just get on with my work. And I went on to lead a good life. I you started four
2: novels and then stopped and then eventually published your first. What motivated you to finally finish the first?
1: Well, I've wanted to write a novel since I was young. I've never written fiction again since I sold that story. I've started four novels that I haven't finished. Why? I really interviewed myself. I sat down with a yellow pad and thought, what kind of novel do you want to write? Where do you want to set it? What country should it be in? Who is the main character? What is this book about? And I came up with the thought that I want to write an old-fashioned, traditional family Saga. And Emma Hart came into my head with a, a woman with no name came into my head who starts with nothing and c- becomes a great tycoon. And many years later, I realized that a woman of substance, my first novel. But that's where it came from, the sudden decision to do, write a story about a woman who achieved something. And as when I was think, making that list, I thought, yes, I want to write a woman who becomes a woman of substance. And I didn't realize until a few days later, that there was my title. And I've been writing about women uh, who do go out and achieve things. And I think that that is one of the appeals, that my books have for women. And they write and tell me Emma was my role model, my hero, my heroine. So I try to write about showing women Take it, but it's a lot of hard work. Speaking of successful women, how can women be successful
2: and not worry about their husband becoming resentful, especially if the woman makes more money?
1: Well, I I suppose that is a worry, but I'm lucky in many ways with Bob. We've had a long marriage. We've been married 54 years. We are still two peas in a pod. We've grown very alike, I think, over the years. I do think there can be resentment about fame, um, which you can't help if you become famous. It's really you're famous because of what you've done, not because you went out to try and become famous. Um, Fortunately, he was a successful movie producer, and, of course, he then started to make my books – into miniseries and movies of the week. So it became a partnership in a different way. I think you've got to keep your own sense of you, you, who you are and as a woman. And I'm a strong woman and a lot of men and I would not get along because I don't, but I don't have a man who wants to boss me around. I think that's another thing. Try and cope with it. They're very different. They do want mothering. Do a bit of it and do your own thing. Go out, go for a walk, go to the hairdressers, go shopping.
2: (laughs) How has being wealthy helped you achieve your other life goals?
1: Well, I suppose it's better to have money than to be broke, you know. But I was always fortunate in that I didn't really have – I married a man who could support me. And that – but I I didn't necessarily – look, I don't write for the money. Of course, I love the money. Don't don't misunderstand me. If you set out wanting fame and and fortune, you might not get it. You've got, I knew that I had to write a novel and keep writing novels to keep my sanity. To achieve what I felt I could achieve, to have the gratification of creating something of my own that I had done. And it's really nice as a woman to have your own money because it gives you a certain amount of independence and security. Well, I suppose it's changed my life because if I want to buy something, I can go and buy it and I don't have to ask my husband. But I don't dwell on money a lot, Veronica, because. I suppose I know I can always make it, and he makes money as a producer. I think it's allowed me to be philanthropic. I, I do think in life I was brought up as a young woman to, by my p- mother particularly to give back, if you could, to help other people. Um, I've given to quite a lot of charities in this city, and so has Bob, Literacy Partners, um, the Landmark Conservancy, um, uh, children's charities and PAL is one of my charities which is Police Athletic League. We, we actually c- do lunches and dinners to raise money to create places where underprivileged children can go at the end of the afternoon from when they leave school. So I think it's allowed me to give back and to help people um, to achieve what else? I, I can't think of anything special.
2: What's the most important lesson you learned about investing money?
1: <laughs> to get the right advice. I I believe that people should do... I don't want to do all the jobs in my life. Let me put it that, that way. I really don't want to clean the house or cook the food. Um, I have people to do that because I have to sit at a desk for 10 hours a day thinking because it's mostly take my time is taken up with thinking i write very quickly but a lot of thinking goes into a lot of thought has to go into characters and settings and plot lines so i don't want to be the housekeeper i don't want to be uh, the person that serves dinner um I want to be a writer, and that's what I do. I don't want to be a broker. I don't want to be an investment banker. I don't want to be my own doctor. I'm, I'm very good at separating myself. You know, there are a lot of people want to—they can't delegate. So, let's say I'm good at delegating those things I don't want to do. And one of the things I don't want to do is lose money. So, not to lose money is to have the right people who— Invest it for you. So Bob mostly is the person that meets with our investment bankers and brokers, and I meet them too. We have meetings twice a year. He always tells me everything. I, <laughs> Bob, always wants me to know exactly what is going on in our lives financially and in other ways in case something happens to him you know I think somebody who is clever with money can do their own investing but I'm always afraid of losing it so I prefer to have a professional do it and it works for us we we haven't we've lost at times but you do that's the way the market is it goes up and down
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Got a question about finance or business? Then write podcasts at DowJones.com. Please include your first name and hometown. And we may read your email in a future episode. Again, that's podcasts at DowJones.com. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal.
2: I read you don't buy cheap clothes. Explain.
1: Well, I think cheap. <sighs> I had a friend when I was a young girl who said, I can't afford to buy, I'm too poor to buy cheap clothes. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I have to, I'm too poor to keep buying them. I have to save up to buy one good thing and it's going to last. I I buy t-shirts and things like that, but when it comes to clothing to go out in, and I wear cotton pants and a t-shirt to work, Because they last longer. You know, I could take this coat, which actually was made for me, um, and I could roll it in a ball and throw it in a corner, but when it came out and was steamed, it would be perfectly new because it's very good quality. And it was very beautifully made. It's, um, it's practical to buy good clothes and have less and maybe put a scarf and have a bag or accessorize. I, I tend to wear very plain clothes anyway because I like, I like to be able to wear scarves and a nice, nice bags. I love bags, bags and shoes are my downfall. <laughs> In two thousand
2: seven, you were given a prestigious recognition by the Queen of England. What, what did that feel
1: like? I said to Bob, "I wish my parents were still alive." And he he said it went like this. And he said, "No, I think they're looking down. They're, they they know." I was thrilled. It's not a, as I said to to a press person afterwards. They said, "What was it?" Like meaning meeting the Queen, I said, well, I was thrilled. You don't meet the Queen every morning at 11 a.m., <laughs> whatever the time was. I think it was about noon. I was thrilled and, of course, struck by you know, seven years ago, and she's now 92, so she was in the mid-80s, right? She is so strong. This is the thing that I was amazed when we were waiting outside there were other people getting various honours um, I saw her walk in and she Walked in very strong and with a handbag, of course. She's always called the black handbag. And she got up on a little platform and put her bag on the floor next to her chair and sat down for a moment. And I thought, wow, she's really strong and steady on her feet. She was charming. She's got a great sense of humor, I'm told. And when it was my turn to go you you have to you go from another place where I saw walk in we, they moved us and took away my handbag and I said why are you take one of the courtiers and I said why are you taking my bag there's not a gun in it you know I'm, I usually have this facetious comment to make and he said no but you might have a lipstick and somebody once dropped a bag and in with the queen and the lipstick was rolling around and, the, and he said, so we take all women's bags, but you'll get it back after you've seen the queen. So I walked down the red carpet and she was standing on her platform because she's just uh, about four nine, I think, maybe she's tiny. And they would put a, a sort of, I can only call it a silver bar. I don't think it was silver, but it was that color. Uh, pinned on me and she actually hooks the medal on you because can you imagine her trying to she might stick you <laughs> with the pin of the medal so she, the medal is hooked on you normally is closed of course a medal has it's a medal that has a, a clasp like a brooch so it's you you pin it on yourself but it was closed and she hooked it on and she she shook my hand, and she said, I know you've written a lot of books, Mrs. Bradford. I said, yes, and they told you you can call her ma'am, to rhyme with ma'am, not mom, Is ma'am, or your majesty. I thought I'm going to get muddled up with this. I'm going to call her your majesty because she's the queen. So I said, yes, I have. I said, yes, your majesty, and a lot of them have about... Are about English history and she sort of looked at me like this and I saw these blue eyes it was kind of get very mischievous and a laugh was coming you know and, but she didn't laugh. She said, oh, that gives you endless possibilities. <laughs> and as I looked at her, I thought, is she thinking about all of the heads that have rolled through for a throne or her dysfunctional family? But anyway, she that smile lurked there for a moment. And, and then I said, thank you very much. And I did my little curtsy. And then you have to back away, you know. And I, frankly, I was... Have you ever worn a pair of patent leather shoes and you know how they stick? I thought for a moment I wasn't going to make it back, back, backing off, but I did. And Bob said afterwards that he was in the audience. It was in the ballroom at Buckingham Palace. And he said that she had a longer conversation with me, with everybody else. She just put the said congratulations, put the thing on and shook hands and that was it. So I felt very honoured. But I was asked, what was it like? And I said, well, it was a thrill, of course. But it was also like meeting your favourite cuddly aunt. And I don't think anybody's described the Queen that way. But I think she's fabulous. And she happens to be a Taurus. I am. Her birthday really is April 21. It's not June 12th. That's the official birthday because somebody decided it would always be sunny in June for her official birthday. So we're the same sign, and I figured I know everything that motivates her.
0: Time now for your secrets.
1: I'm Barbara Taylor Bradford. And my money secret is this. I don't let it influence me in as much as I stop working. I'm never going to stop working because I do the work I love, and that's what it's all about.
2: This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos with special help from J.R. Whalen. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening.
0: What's your secret? Let us know. Write podcasts at DowJones.com or on Twitter, use hashtag Secrets of Wealthy Women. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore.